if you don't know who I am, I'm Shannon, and I am our wellness and women's pastor here. So thanks, whoever that was. It wasn't even my husband. Um, So if you're a woman and you'd like to connect, figure out how to connect, you can come see me. If you are like, I I need to know about that wellness thing. I I might need to talk to someone, or I I just want to learn about how to how to know how to walk with other people through wellness, um, that's me. I'm here to help you take that journey. So super, super thankful for my roles here. I love, love what I do here at Crossroads. It's a gift from the Lord that I never, ever would have imagined. He has done more than I could think to ask for. And we are beginning a new series today. And surprise, there's the title. If I had more, I would. So I have a question. Have you ever said this? If I had a million dollars, I would. What did we say? What, what would we do with a million dollars? Give it. Okay. Okay. Aside from giving it away, what would we do if we had a million dollars? Go on a vacation to anywhere in the world, right? Yeah. What about this one? Have you ever said, if I, ha- if I didn't work so much, if I had more time, I would fill in that blank? Sleep? There we go. I'm going to give you some good answers. Well, I don't know if they'll be good, but I'll give you some answers today. Right, we've all said, if I had more money, if I had more time, and fill in the blank, if I had more whatever, because that is something that all of us have dealt with. We've all been in a place and in experiences where we don't feel like we have enough. So we are going over the next few weeks to try to highlight a few different areas that in our life, we, you know, our sermon collaboration team, we get together, we pray, we try to think about, well, what are the areas of lack in our life? Where are the areas that we feel like we just don't have enough? And let's talk about God's heart for those areas. What would God say to that? So we see a lot of places in, in the Bible from beginning to end. We see a lot of places where in different ways people lacked and God showed up. So anytime we see a theme in scripture, we need to pay attention because maybe God's trying to tell us something, right? Like if this has happened to a lot of people, maybe it applies to me too. And so this idea that there's never enough, oh no, what are we going to do? God always has an answer for that. And so that's what we want to kind of look at today, starting today and then moving forward for the next few weeks. And I'll just rip the band-aid off and tell you that today I'm going to start with the obvious and talk about money. You guys look so excited. I just ripped the band-aid off. Because obviously, when we hear the word giving, the first thing that comes to mind is money, right? Not the other stuff that is equally important. The first thing that comes to mind is money. And I'll be really transparent. When I saw that I was on the docket for today and what the topic was, I was like, me? You want me to talk about money? It's like, Alan should be doing this message. He's the finance guy. I was like, I, I know everything I know because he taught it to me. I didn't know any of the money stuff I know today when I married him. So I felt a little inadequate to talk about this topic. And then also, I've been in church for my whole life, like I've told you before. So I've heard all the money messages. And maybe you have too. So I know all the lingo. Do you know some of the lingo? We're blessed to be a blessing. Give out of a grateful heart. Tithe off the top. Those are, none of those are bad, and I'm not here to discredit any of that. But I think it's really easy, just like when we had communion and Alan was saying, 
oh, I have to give because it's what I'm supposed to do. And that kind of can become, especially if you've been in the church world your whole life, that can kind of become the way that we view it. It's easy to forget the heart of the matter, as is the case with anything in life. It's easy to forget the heart of the matter. And to see our relationship with money as just transactional. It's just, I earn it, I give it away, pay for this, I do that. And it's just this transaction that's happening all the time in my life. It's easy to think that. My hope is that by the end of today, maybe we'll see this in a little bit different way. Maybe we, some of you already see it this way. But for some of us, maybe we'll go, oh, oh, it's not transactional. In fact, what I do with my money is actually really, really relational. So, okay, how many of you have felt the pain of the pandemic, recession, whatever it's called, repercussions, inflation? Listen, listen. I keep saying $2 is the new $1. I don't know what the dollar tree is going to do because nothing's a dollar anymore. So it's the $2 tree. It's the, yeah. Gas. Let's not talk about gas. I have a teenager who's had to start paying for gas this year, and she's like, <gasps> and I'm like, sorry. You came on the scene at a bad time. <laughs> Maybe it'll get better. Right? The cost of everything. No, no one in this room is untouched by this topic, right? We've all felt the pain. No matter how much money you make, we've all felt the ew of that re- recession, repercussions of the inflation. We've all felt that. So if we all agree that the cost to live right now has definitely increased, putting a strain on our budgets, why in the world would we want to talk about money and giving? We're like, that's the last thing we need to talk about. Well, the truth is what we do with our money determines what we value the most. It is the one thing in our life, it's the one area in our life that we can easily give our money to things that aren't valuable, but that show we do value that because I'm willing to give my money to that. There's a lot of stories in scripture of people who gave all they had. We see it over and over, Old and New Testament. It's a theme, giving everything they had. And I'm talking about money specifically in that one. People who gave their last everything. So as I said earlier, when we see that happen a lot in scripture, we need to stop and go, what about me? What do I do with that? So if there's a theme for today that we're going to kind of examine, it is how do we give out of our lack? What do I do when I don't have enough? And I'm supposed to give? What do I do? So lack is not enough, right? Okay, that's the definition. Lack is I don't have enough. So let's think about how we feel when we don't have enough. And this is anything in life. When we don't have enough of something that we think we need. We feel stress, right? We feel worry. How are we going to make it? We have a fear that things will run, we're going to run out. We're not going to have enough. We feel like we have to pick and choose. We're at the grocery store. Do I buy Ezekiel bread or Walmart bread? Does anybody eat Ezekiel bread in here? It's like $7. It's so ridiculous. I think it's made with like gold something from Israel or something. I don't know. 
I really want to buy it, but I'm like, it's $7. Do we buy great value chocolate chips or Ghirardelli? Ghirardelli. Don't give me that plastic stuff. But the plastic stuff is cheaper. Do we buy RC Cola or Coca-Cola? If you ask my poppy in South Louisiana, he will say you buy RC Cola, even if you have a lot of money. We have to pick and choose, right? So all joking aside, okay, those are real. I feel that. We have to go to the store and pick and choose, yes. But all joking aside, when we find ourselves with not enough, the number one thought we carry around is I have to choose where I put my money. I have to choose what I invest in. I have to choose how I'm going to conserve. And that's not bad. So I'm not here to tell you give up all of your wisdom with how you steward your money and just do whatever you want with it. That's not this message. If you leave and think that's what I told you, well, you weren't listening. That's not this message. There is wisdom in stewarding what you have. If you are skimping on your groceries and then spending $100 on coffee, listen, coffee cannot sustain you. You may think it does, but you need some broccoli. You cannot replace broccoli with coffee. Adam, Zulam, you need some broccoli in your life. Adam doesn't eat any vegetables at all. No vegetables. So I am not telling you, like, don't have a budget. Don't get, like, you need to be wise with your money. But we need to get to the root of this thing of when we lack, we feel a lot of worry and fear because we don't have enough. We don't know what to do. And we feel like we need to hold tight to everything that we do have. See, there's you and there's your money. And if that's all it is, it's just transactional. It's you doing what you do with your money every day, all the time. The moment you allow God into your life, everything changes. We don't mean to, and we may not even realize we're doing it, but when we find ourselves in a lack of money, giving away is the last thing we think we should do. It's counterintuitive. It feels irresponsible. And the outside world who isn't following Jesus would say, what are you doing? You need to conserve and hold on tight. And so as I prepared for today, I found myself asking God, how can we talk about this and it not just be the same thing that we've all heard before? How can we talk about this and you don't leave today thinking, well, I'm really obligated to give God some of my money because that's actually not what this is about. And I felt like I heard a whisper from the Lord, talk about devotion. Devotion is defined as love, loyalty, or enthusiasm for something or someone. Some of us are very devoted to our football teams. I saw some, okay, see, I didn't even have to say much. I was like, yeah! I'm not devoted to any football teams, so... You can love your football teams. I don't care. Some of us are devoted to our workout routine. Not as many amens on that one. (laughs) Silence. I get it. It's fine. Some of us are devoted to our coffee. Okay, there it is. 
When I think about devotion as it relates to giving, things start to come into focus. See, this conversation about money, it's not about rules that you have to follow so that you can get on God's good side. God is not an employer. You're not paying bills when you give God your money. So we need to get that out of our systems. That's religion telling you you owe God. How could you ever give God enough to qualify? Christ is your righteousness. You do not do anything in your relationship with Jesus, with God. You don't do anything to earn your place. And if you think that you do, come see me in the wellness center and we'll talk about it. (laughs) We don't give to earn God's favor. But how, what, when, where we give, it does determine what we're devoted to. What we're loyal to, what we're enthusiastic about, and what we're in love with. So, to go deeper into this idea of devotion, I want to look at some scripture. And we're going to go to 2 Corinthians because, of course, Paul has something to say about this topic. Because Paul has something to say about every topic. So, and I want to set this up a little bit. We're in 2 Corinthians. Listen, the Corinthian church, this is a hot mess. And Paul's like, you need to stop doing that. You need to, stop, you need to start doing this. I mean, it's like there's a lot happening, okay? And we get to chapter 8. And he's been dealing with these issues, and now he's shifting to a conversation on giving. And so what you need to know historically about this moment is that in a previous conversation, maybe another letter, we don't know, Paul has requested the church in Corinthians, the, Corinthian, the church in Corinth, to give towards the church in Jerusalem because the church in Jerusalem was very poor, and the church in Corinth was more affluent. And so being a, an apostle, Paul, his heart is to see the churches flourish. So he'll come to this church and go, hey, you guys have, you have enough. Can you give, could you send some to this church? Because they're so poor and they need. So Paul is like kind of reminding them here of what they committed to. Hey, remember last time we talked, you said you'd do this? Okay. So that's kind of where we're at. And I want to start with reading in chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. This is what he says. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They're being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they're also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Now listen, the Macedonians, it's not just biblically proven. It is secular, in the secular history, it's proven that they were very poor. They were the land of Alexander the Great that Rome conquered, and they were poor ever since. So this is a group of people who historically, yes, absolutely, they were very, very poor. But they were very generous. He says they overflowed with generosity. So we've got one group of people with two complete opposite parallels. Very poor and very generous. Let's keep reading. For I can testify... That they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped for their first action. Their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. When was the last time 
any of us begged to give money. I am convicted by reading this because I've never begged to give money away in my life. These people are so overcome with the love and redemption of Christ that they want to, to the point that they beg Paul, who probably is like, well, guys, I mean, you need to keep some. Like, you're really, you don't have enough. Like, I can see Paul probably as a father, like, well, oh, I'm really glad that you want to. And, and so they're like, no, please, please let us give. Please let us give from our lack to another church who is lacking. They counted it a privilege to give out of their need. I love that the first thing Paul points out here, he says the first thing they did is they gave themselves to the Lord because he's teaching us, he's teaching the church here a lesson. This rich generosity, it flows from an overwhelming love of God. That's why they're, they're able and willing to do it. Christian generosity is not about a rule. It is not. God says, I don't want your sacrifice without obedience. He doesn't want your money just because you think you need to give it to him. Guess what? He can come up with the supplies. He can come up with the resources. This has nothing to do with God lacking resources. That is not the point. Christian generosity is about a different kingdom that you have now become part of and an understanding that it doesn't work the same in his kingdom as it does in this kingdom. He's not a bill collector. You're not giving him money because you owe him. He actually wants your heart. He wants devotion. He wants relationship. So Paul is allowing this beautiful, precious example of this little poor church in Macedonia. He's using this as an example for this affluent church that has enough to give away. And he's going, look at what they did. I want you to catch what, what's happening here. I want you to catch the heart of devotion that this group of people has, that they're not afraid to give when they don't have enough. God's kingdom is backwards, isn't it? It's exhausting sometimes. Because you're like, I think I know. And then God's like, nope, that's not how I do it. I'm like, ugh. Does that happen to you? Happens to me. All the time. I think that's the story of our life. Until we get to heaven, we'll be like, now I understand. But until we get there, our immediate reaction, our immediate, yeah, that's the right thing. Most of the time, if you haven't stopped and asked the Holy Spirit, probably you're thinking in the world's way. And you have to come back and go, well, what would you do here, Jesus? And there is no area that that is more apparent than with our money. Logic would never say give when you lack. It would never. That would be an unwise decision. You need to conserve. You need to save. You need to invest so it can grow. And again, I'm not saying those are bad things. But if you put on the lens of heaven and what God wants to bring from heaven to earth, you start to see it different. When we give out of our lack, it needs to be because 
we want to trust our provider because we want to show this amazing, generous God who did not even spare his own son. We want to tell him, we trust you. Here's my dollar. There's a story. Y'all know I had to throw Christmas in. Okay. Well, I don't know if I'll get to be up here again before Christmas, so this was my one chance. There's a story that I think most of us are familiar with, and it describes a, a, a man very well who, who chose to be solely devoted to his money. And that man was Ebenezer Scrooge. And I want to read a quote from the Christmas, a Christmas Carol. Oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Has anybody in the room seen A Christmas Carol or read the book? Yes. It's one of my favorite Christmas stories. See, Scrooge, he chose not to devote himself to service to anyone else. He let the fear of not having enough drive him to become a little tight-fisted, wrenching, grasping, scraping old man sitting in his office counting his coins with no family and no friends. And I know that's an extreme example, but there's something in it that we need to learn, right? And we all know how the story ends. I love the ending of the story because it says he became the best celebrator of Christmas ever. <laughs> he went from that little, I, have, I don't have enough, so I got to keep everything. He went from that to giving it all away. So what did he learn? He learned something in there, didn't he? I want to talk about, too, a story that is parallel to this, and it's where Jesus, he actually says this in Luke chapter 21. And he's with his disciples, and they're at the temple. And he says, well, it says, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. And a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth. Anytime Jesus says that, you'd be like, Whoa. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Okay, he's telling us the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. She, poor as she is, she gave everything she has. It's never the amount we give that impresses God. Come on, friends. It's never the amount that impresses God. God is not Scrooge. He is not up there with his little, what is it called? I don't even know. I don't do that money thing with the, and the, the paper comes out. I don't know what that's called. Thanks. I write books. That's all I do. I don't do math things. But God is not up there doing this. Oh, oh, Shannon and Alan, they gave this much. Oh, well, they gave 10. Oh, he's never doing that. He's never comparing your gift to someone else's. He is looking at your heart. That is all he is looking at is your heart. The widow gave far more in the kingdom of heaven than all of those rich people combined. I think she teaches us the principle of giving out of our lack. She teaches us 
that the kingdom of God is upside down and that he notices, he looks down from heaven and goes, oh, look, all they had to give was $5, but I know what they could have done with that $5 and they gave it to me. (gasps) He loves that. From the beginning of our marriage, um, and I was never, like I said, I didn't know all the things about money that Alan knows, but I knew to give. That was something that was in me from the beginning, and I wanted to give. And from the beginning of our marriage, we have always given to God. That's always been a non-negotiable. Even when we first got married, so we have mad money budget, which is like, I can go do whatever I want. I just usually buy coffee, whatever. Alan doesn't spend his, literally, the man has like, $500 saved up of mad money. I never have leftover at the end of the month, ever. That shows you the difference in us. Alan would be happy to go live in a cabin with like one sweater, one pair of jeans, and like maybe a toothbrush, and he'd be good for the rest of his life. And I'm like, listen, I need a few more things. But when we got married, I submitted that I did not, I submitted to him and said, you are the better with money, so I'm going to trust you to set this up and tell, you know, whatever you tell me. I trust you. So when we first got married, we both had $5 of mad money every month. Now, this was a while back, so you could maybe get two Starbucks out of that. (laughs) Not anymore. But even when we only had $5 of mad money, we never chose not to give. And as our wealth has increased, because now I have more than $5 of mad money, now that our wealth has increased... We've always said we will increase our giving every time that increases too. But really, how many of you know that you can only be so prepared? Even if you're a great spend, great saver, even if you're a great you know, investor, even if you know, like Alan, how to make your money grow, you really can only plan so much. You can't plan for every catastrophe that could come your way, right? Our moves have always been dramatic. And I would really like for one time us to make a move in our life and it'd be very calm, but that's never how it works. It's always super big and dramatic and unexpected. And we moved to Bloomington, Illinois. It was 17 years ago. We made the decision to go and then found out I was pregnant with my first little baby. So Lindsay's like, why was I born in Illinois? I'm like, just don't ask. It's a really random little year in our life. (laughs) We went to work with the church and uh, been there, you know, we had been there not even a full year, maybe a full year, I don't even remember, not a full year because we didn't even live there a full year. And Alan discovered there was some um, lack of integrity with the finances and so he confronted and, you know, was kind of just basically told, well, then maybe, maybe you don't want to stay. And so because it was the right thing to do, we... He, he stepped away from that job. And we had no idea what we were going to do. We, ha- we were in an apartment. We had a lease. And of course, if you're going to break your lease, you have to pay. And the lease, to break our lease, was $1,200. Now, at that time in our marriage, $1,200 was a lot of money. But we knew that it was the right thing to do because we couldn't work in that environment where it wasn't, the money wasn't being handled with integrity. And Alan and I, you know, of course, we're stressed. It's so funny, too, because now, like, you know, the more things that happen that are, like, big in your life, you look back at things like, that wasn't even that bad. 
That's how I feel now. But at that time, it was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? So we had someone's little babysitter for our little baby, Lindsay Grace. She was three months old. And me and Alan went to Starbucks. Listen, y'all, we shared a coffee because that's what we could afford. And we're just like, we don't, we're just, you know, being a couple sitting at this coffee shop, like, what are we going to do? What, how, what do we do? We don't know. And this little couple randomly walks up to us. Out, we're sitting outside. And this little couple walks up, and, the, and they go, this is weird, but we feel like we're supposed to give you this. And they hand us a $100 bill. And we're like, okay, thank you. And so we're like, we don't know, but we're like, okay. A few days later, Alan opens the mailbox, and he has received a check from his aunt who said, this isn't normal for me, but I felt so compelled to send you guys $1,000. Guess how much our lease was? To break our lease was $1,200. Don't tell me that God doesn't provide for his children, because he does. Now, here's the thing. I'm not going to tell you if you had been in the same scenario and had never given to God that he wouldn't have done the same thing for you, because guess what? He's really good. So he might would have done the exact same thing for you too. So that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is he's the provider, and we can't plan for everything. We can't plan for everything. But when we partner with God in giving, he will prove himself faithful. He will prove himself faithful. I think he likes to prove himself. I think we follow a God who loves it when we give him the opportunity to show up where we don't have enough. Because that's relationship. And so now, you know, and like I said, all of our moves have been dramatic. Dear Lord, they've all been dramatic. So there's that move. And then we moved from, you know, literally when I say dramatic, we're at this church in Louisiana. That was our next move. And we'd been there three years. And we had, we were in Louisiana, insane rain. Anyway, long story short, daycare floods. Overnight, the church has no money. And overnight, Alan's brought in and he's like, we're not going to be able to pay you. But once again, we're like, what are we going to do? We don't know what we're going to do. And now we've got two babies. <laughs> and God provided, like, so from the day we found out, we don't have, we're not, we can't, you know, we can only pay you for one more month. It was one month and a half later that we ended up in Phoenix where God wrecked and changed my life for the better. But in that move, we made money. Our paychecks overlapped. And then we came here. Seriously. It's so dramatic. Maybe it's because I'm a writer. I can write these things down. We move here. We come. We don't know. Like, we feel like God's like, you should go. We, he told us to step away from where we were, and then he would tell us, which is so fun. Like, I want you to step away, and then I'll let you know where we're headed. Can we get that beforehand? No. But he's like, we're, go I'm, we're going to go to Utah. We knew that was what we were supposed to do. God provided, so in this situation, because sometimes he just puts the money in your mailbox, but sometimes he puts some tools in your hand. He's like, oh, get to work. I'm, give, I'm providing a way for you to make money. And so just through a random connection, someone reaches out to Alan. He's like, hey, I know you're really good at, like, making things work, and my business isn't working. Could you maybe, like, come make it work? And so that became our sustenance for our first two years here during COVID, all of that. We, we never were without so I can tell you that while every move in our life has been overly dramatic, never 
has God not been faithful? Never, ever has he not been faithful. And I am 100% convinced that he will continue to be faithful. I want to be more generous with my life. I want to be like the Macedonian believers and be so overcome with the love of God and what he has done for me that I'm willing to give whatever I can away to see his kingdom advanced. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. This idea of giving money, I know that, you know, some of us have heard some wacky things. Some of us have seen some wacky things on TV. I'll be honest, I've seen it too. And some of us have seen the abuse of this. And I can call that out. I'm fine with that. We can call that out. Some of us have seen those with power tell us, if we don't give money to God, if you don't give money to me, he can't bless you. And that's just all lies. So we can call that out. That's not God. If you've seen that or been hurt by that, that's not God. Because God has never been looming over the balcony of heaven going, I wonder if they're going to get it today and start giving to me. He's looking over the balcony of heaven going, man, I wish I had their heart. I wish I could just, if I could capture Shannon's heart, I know the rest will follow. If I get her heart, she'll be more than happy to give, to see my kingdom flourish because she wants to see in other people what she's seen in her. Now, on a practical level, we can't turn the lights on in here if you don't give. Like the church exists out of the giving of the the saints. That is the structure God put in place. That's not a man-made. God instituted that the church would provide for itself. So on a practical level, if you don't give, well, we will have to have church in the dark. And that's fine. That's what we'll do if we have to. So yeah, there's a practical note to this that you get to choose where you put your money and maybe you could think about, well, am I devoted to Christ in such a way that I want to see his kingdom come more than I want to see my kingdom come? And that might mean you have to give up some stuff. Well, it does mean you have to give up some stuff in lots of areas of your life. But I have seen and learned and I am confident that when I am devoted to Jesus, he provides for every need. So I hope that you have heard, I hope, a little bit of a different message on this idea of giving. And I want to encourage, so maybe I feel like I was thinking, okay, let's think about the different places we're all at in this room. Some of you, you're like, uh, I'm not actually devoted to Jesus. That's fine so glad you're here and if that's something that you want to pursue that is actually step one I'm not going to ask you to give any money because you need to you have a journey and a decision to make do you want to be devoted to Christ some of you you're like oh my gosh I didn't even know I was supposed to give I didn't know that was a thing I didn't know God cared about that that's totally fine too now you know God wants every part of your life and your money is part of that and so you need to be praying and asking, well, God, how much is that? How much How much could I give right now? Or what would you ask of me today? It could change tomorrow. But what would you ask of me today? 
our experiences on earth, our experiences with our earthly parents, with people around us, absolutely teach us who God is. And if we want to undo those things and unlearn those things, we can. And that's what I did. And that's why I'm confident today that he's a devoted papa. Because I've seen it. Not because I saw it in an earthly father, but because I've seen it in my godly father. I've seen it in him. And so maybe you need to have a conversation with God about the level of your devotion.
other than those people, the rest of you, you're dismissed.